You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, you may be seated. I know you already welcomed by Dan, but I just want to say uh, good to see you guys and so glad you're here this morning. And uh, we're going to look at uh, John chapter 11. You can feel free to turn there, open your Bible if you would ahead of time and John chapter 11. And I remember a number of years ago, I was uh, on a, a trip to China and uh, we had flown into Beijing and and uh, I, I remember I was a little thirsty, got bought some water. And you know how you, you go to another country, you want to break those big bills, even though you tell the, you know, when you're getting money out, you want some smaller bills, they still end up being a lot bigger. And so uh, I kind of wanted to break some cash so I could just have some, some basic things. And we kind of finally got to the hotel, tired, exhausted, long trip and all of that. And I went to pay the hotel clerk uh, out of the cash. They didn't, they didn't take credit cards. And uh, this was kind of a different hotel where we were in China. And I remember the, the front desk person all of a sudden getting really animated. Kind of he was like, he was looking through the bills and all of a sudden kind of lies light up and he starts talking and gets really animated. And I'm, you know, you're already in another country and, you know, it's a communist country, it's a closed country. So you're kind of already like, you know, I don't know what's going on. And I'm thinking, what in the world did I do? What, what did I break a social thing? Like what happened? And the translator told me, he said, you gave him a fake, uh, a counterfeit bill, and I'm kind of all of a sudden we're like, "Oh, that's not good!" Like you get thrown in jail, and you know, a country that's not known for their human rights and all of that. And sure enough, he gave me. I'm like, "No, no, I'll take no more. Here's some. Try this." And I got the money out of the bank. I had, apparently I was the dumb tourist in Beijing, and somebody passed me a fake that I could even see. I mean, the bills were pink to begin with, so it all looked like monopoly money. But this one was like really, really bad, and just you know, just anyway, I'll never forget that experience. The currency of heaven, if we could think of it in this way, is faith. Faith is what God responds to in our life. Faith is what God wants us to have. Faith is what God wants to build in each of our lives, regardless of where you are this morning in your spiritual walk. God wants you to take a step forward in faith, not just faith generically. That's kind of cool today. We'll have faith, you know. Faith in faith is not very good. <laughs> you know, you, you, if you're a student or if you're a parent and you're teaching your kids to, you know, to do the best they can, don't have faith. And just faith that they're going to do okay in the test. Like, that's just dumb. Study, do your best, but have faith and just, you know, do your best in that. And so God wants our faith to be in Jesus Christ and Him specifically. And so no matter where you are, He wants us to take a step forward. We're going to see a story this morning that's all about God's glory and our faith response to that glory. The story is told in John 11. I'll read a little bit of it, but it's too long for us to read the whole thing. The story is told about two sisters and a brother, Mary and Martha, and their brother named Lazarus. Old Testament name, uh, Eliezer, same, same name. And Mary and Martha, apparently Jesus hung out with them a lot. We, have, we run into them in other stories in the Gospels and we're there together. And so uh, Jesus is away from their hometown. Their hometown is in Bethany. It's like just two miles literally from Jerusalem so close by. They live near. They'd be kind of like the Gilderland suburb, you know. You can get downtown in Albany in 20 minutes, if you will, from here. And so uh, Jesus was hanging out. We don't know where. But their brother, Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, became very sick. And they were very concerned. And they sent somebody out to get word to Jesus to say, the one that you love, the man that you love, is ill. Now listen to what Jesus said when you heard that news. He was with his disciples. He said this. He says in verse 4, 
He said, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. It's all about the story of raising Lazarus from the dead, which happens in minute. Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but it's about the glory of God. And so the Bible goes on to say in the story that Jesus got this news, knew Lazarus was going to die ultimately, and he stayed there for two days. You know, I, I humanly, I wish that whenever I prayed to God, it would just, you know, like that. Don't we all? But God, for His glory, for our own good, and for purposes beyond what we fully understand, waits very often. So Jesus knew there was a crisis going on, and He purposely stayed where He was for two days. Then after two days, He said, I think we need to go visit my man Lazarus. He's fallen asleep, and I need to wake him up. The disciples are much like you and me. We're a little slow on the uptake, and they're like, well, if he's sleeping it off, He'll wake up and he'll be fine. Like they just thought he was sick and was going to recover. Like he had COVID or the stomach flu or something. You'll just, he's going to recover. And Jesus finally said, no, you don't get it. In verse 14, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for, for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. And here's why. So that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then in verse 17, I want to read this part of the story to you. Now, when Jesus came, so Jesus and the disciples, we don't know how long it took, probably a day or two, a couple of days to get there. They found out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He was beyond dead. He was deader than dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Lots of people in Jewish culture... Uh, weddings went for multiple days, funerals went for multiple days. It would be normal. You know, it's in our culture, you're showing respect if you show up for a wake. You know, if you go to a wake or, or if, you know, in a funeral or in a graveside, you've really done a lot. In that culture, you would hang out for days and it would just, people would just be crying with you. It was just quite a social affair. And so when Martha in verse 20 heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I don't think she was really complaining here. She was just stating the obvious. You had the power to have healed him, and I wish you could have been here, but he's dead. She's just agonizing in pain over her brother. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Boy, it seems like the woman has a lot of faith but not as much as you might think. We'll see in just a minute. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. You know, there, we all have to be careful when we say things and how you say things when people are grieving and hurting and all of that. And even if we mean well, sometimes we say the wrong things. Even as a pastor, I do that unintentionally. And, and Martha kind of thought Jesus was doing that. You know, Martha, buck up. He's going to rise again. Like, yeah, in 50 years or whatever, you know, like, what good does that do me now? Jesus was not saying that to, <laughs> to her at all. And Jesus said during verse 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. 
Death to those who follow Jesus, physical death is not the end of the story. It's not the real thing, if you will. We experience physical death, but Jesus came. He is. He doesn't just give resurrection and life. He just doesn't bring it. It's so closely bound up. It's who He is. He is the resurrection and the life, and we put our trust in Him. We experience the resurrection and the life, and death is as nothing to us as His followers. But He says, asks a question. He says, Do you, here it is again, believe this? Do you have faith in this? That I'm the resurrection and life, that whoever believes in me will not die, but will live. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And as the story goes on, word is sent back from Martha to Jesus. They met outside of town, and so the word goes to Mary, who's back at home grieving, and she and that kind of entourage thinking they were going to go to the grave, but they end up going to see Jesus. And Mary says the same thing Martha did. Lord, if you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. I get the picture that when they were grieving, the crowd and everybody's like, oh, this is awful, and if only Jesus had been here, he could have healed him. And so she shares that. And when Jesus sees the weeping and the scene and the grieving and all of that, the Bible says he was deeply moved. In fact, the, the, the verse says that Jesus wept. He just he burst into tears and, and cried over that sorrow. And then he gives a command. He said, roll the stone away. And Martha, in her wisdom, said, Lord, he's been in there four days. He stinks. Like this is, here's the smell. What, what are you doing? And Jesus says, didn't I tell you if you only believed that you would see the glory of God? And he prays a prayer to his father and said, Lord, I'm glad that you hear me. And I know you did, but I'm, I'm saying this so that everybody around me knows that I came from you, that they might believe. And then the Bible says he cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus! Come forth! And I love what the Bible says, that he who was dead came out. The one who had died, he who had died, the man in verse 44 who died came out, and his hands and his feet were bound with the claws. I don't know exactly what he looked like. I've never seen a Jewish funeral from first century in person, but his hands and feet were bound with claws, and he was covered, and I guess he kind of waddled out, and they said, take them off them. And free him. I like what one person said. It's a good thing that Jesus said Lazarus because had he just said come forth, every single tomb, every person would be coming out of there because only our Lord speaks to the dead and they obey. He has all authority in heaven and earth and is amazing. And out of that, after that, many people believed in Jesus and some didn't and they went back and told the Pharisees and this was kind of the final straw that from this point forward they sought to kill Jesus. I'm going to give you, I'm going to do my best to give you seven faith lessons this morning. I know that's a lot. We might only get to four or five and that's okay. I'll just, I don't know. You can go dig the other three out if you want. There's actually probably nine or ten, but I'm going to do my best to get you seven this morning. And uh, the first faith lesson, go ahead and put it up on the screen if you would. Sometimes your suffering is for God's glory and someone else's faith. Sometimes your suffering is simply to show God's glory and it's for somebody else who needs to believe. You know, when you and I are suffering in life, and, and this is a broad context of suffering, sometimes it's like, why did this happen? I don't understand why God's doing this. Because we are hardwired 
to want everything in life to go our way. I don't care if you're a sports fan and you want every game to be won. If you are, you know, if you're a money person and wants, you know, to watch your money, you, we want everything in life to go our way. I don't care whether you're parking at, you know, Target. You want to get that good spot or the weather. We we want the whole world to come our way, and we struggle when we start suffering in life. We we don't like it. We struggle hard, and we say, why? But God, why am I, why is this hard? Why did this happen? Why? We ask the, the why question. And that's a complex answer to it, but a piece of it this morning that I want you to see is sometimes God allows suffering and pain because He's wanting to demonstrate His glory. Martha and Mary went through extreme pain. They, their brother was very sick. We don't know if he had an appendicitis, if his appendix burst, but it was something that he got so sick and it apparently killed him pretty quickly. And they had to walk through that whole process, and as painful as that was, even Lazarus himself, we don't ever see him speaking, but he had to walk through that. And it wasn't so much about his faith, maybe it was, but it was really about Mary and Martha's faith and the faith of the disciples, faith of everybody else. And sometimes you will go through things in your life because God wants you to get a glimpse of His glory and He wants to somebody else to be watching you and for their faith to be strengthened. That should bring a little bit of comfort into our life that, okay, there's a reason behind this. You see, God never wastes a pain. He never wastes suffering. Now, we need to realize He hurts in the middle of that. Go back and read this at home in your time. If you're suffering, go back and look. Jesus is, is God who became man. His heart is so touched and moved with the, the death and the suffering that He Himself burst into tears and cried for that. So don't have the picture that God is in heaven and untouched and unfeeling with the pain that you go through. That God in heaven actually senses that and He is Jesus, is the God-man, is there with you and hurting and, if you will, suffering along with you. But ultimately what God is trying to do is for you to end up going through an experience that His glory will be revealed. You see, that's kind of the way the world works. We kind of ignore God when things are going well. And we really only start getting serious about God and what's real when things aren't going so well. And we start looking up. And when things aren't good, that's when we really begin looking to God. That's the, the second thing I want you to notice this morning is that uh, faith really tends to follow after our, our limitations and pain and suffering. Those things precede faith. You see, we kind of want to just as Christians talk about faith and have faith, but faith really only comes when you and I meet our limits. When we bump into a wall that we can't get through, we bump into a ceiling, when life isn't working the way that we thought it should, and that's when faith has to begin to kick in. So you and I hit our limitations, we experience pain, put other words in there, worry and anxieties, and we get confused in all of that, all of that stuff happens before our faith moment. When we, when we are confronted with and have to make a decision where, whether we or not, we are going to genuinely trust Jesus. We run into that. Jesus asked Martha, he said, she said, Lord, 
You roll the stone back, you know, the, the Jewish tombs, they were built in, carved into a rock. They weren't down in the ground, and they would roll a stone in front of it to seal it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. And Martha, Martha was one that said, anything you say, Lord, he can do. Now, she obviously had faith, but she didn't apparently have enough faith to think that he was going to raise him from the dead. And he told her, he said, didn't I not tell you in verse 40 that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Martha, I told you, you, you need to believe. You see, they went through a season where they knew they had such limitations. And they reached out to Jesus to ask Him to deal with that. And so they went through that difficulty and that trial and that deep suffering and then watched their own brother die. We don't know if he died in their arms. They were right there with him. They were probably awake and, and there and knew that they could do nothing about it. But that situation was beyond their ability to change. And they were hurting deeply. And they were confused. Lord, if you'd have been here, you can do something about it. They most likely got word from the people that went to get Jesus that found out that he was not that far away and... He waited, and they were confused deeply in the middle of it. See, when you and I go through those things, when we hit our limitations and make sure we will hit them in multiple ways, whether it's our relationships as husbands and wife, and we feel like there's no solution, whether it's something with our kids, whether they're younger or they're adults, and we realize, I can't do anything about that, whether it's something, a shift at work, whether it's just we will hit multiple times in our life where we run into situations that we try every little thing, and if we're being really honest with ourselves, every little thing we try usually makes all of those things worse and worse. And what has to happen is God has to step in and to do that which we cannot do. And so... You and I need to realize that when we're in the middle of those challenges of life, that there's something else bigger going on. It's not just about what's in front of your nose. And we're hurting and we're in the middle of the pain, but God sees the bigger picture and God has something bigger. And what He's trying to do is to grow us in our faith. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to turn us to Him to do something in our life because... At every moment and every time in our life, gang, there's things that need to change that God needs to work in us. Every single one of us needs our faith and obedience to grow, me included, every one of us. And so God has, allows those things in our moment, in our time, to say, oh, I need you to look to me. I need your attention. And finally, when we realize that everything we're trying and the way we're living life and what we're doing is not working, that's when we begin to stop and to look for answers. And in that, we have to make a conscious choice to believe, to believe Jesus. Make no mistake, faith is a choice. Faith is a choice that despite what we see, despite what we know, despite what all the evidence has in front of us, despite how bad the conditions are, faith says, I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to trust Him. It's a conscious choice. I don't know how that works with you, but usually when I get bad news, 
I, ha- I sit in the middle of that bad news for a little bit. That's normal and okay. I think you're human. I think, there's, I think you're either lying or you're a robot if you're like, oh yeah, we just trust Jesus. This is great. I love it. Like, okay. Sometimes I feel like people kind of, not, not really not thinking about any of us here, but sometimes people seem to glide over those things like, okay, you're just a super spiritual Christian. I'm not, you know. But what has to happen is those things, those situations don't change and they don't get better and they don't go away. And if anything, they usually get worse. And then I have to realize, I can't fix this. God, I trust you. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know where it's going. I trust you with my pain. I trust you with my heartache. I trust you with my difficulty. I trust you with my future. I trust you, God. And it's a choice that you have to make. Until you get to that place, we all tend to do dumb things when we're not trusting God. And we try to fix, and we try to manipulate, and we try to manhandle, and we try to make happen. And, and, and if, we're, if you're a type A person, you become more type A trying to make it work. And if you're laid back, you become even more laid back or a little more whatever, and, and it doesn't work. So those moments of that pain and suffering, you need to look up and say, God, I trust you. What are you doing? What do I need to know? What are you doing about the situation? Go to the next one, if you would. Faith precedes and follows God's glory. I really wanted to say that faith only precedes God's glory, but it actually does both. You see, they needed to have faith in order to see God's glory revealed. Jesus said to Martha, I read it a minute ago, Martha, I already told you if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Our pain, our confusion, our limitations plus God's glory being revealed, where those two things collide and meet, grows our faith. See, sometimes that stuff that goes in your life, what God is trying to do is for you and I to remember where we really fit in the universe. That we are all really small, but He also wants us to know that we're, He's really big and He loves us. And He wants to reveal His glory in the middle of that. And when we see that glory, and we know that it's not us, just as when Jesus commanded Lazarus to come out of the grave, did the impossible. I mean, that is the miracle of all miracles. The only miracle that tops this one that Jesus did is His own resurrection. I mean, it's one thing to walk on water. It's another thing to heal the blind. I mean, those are amazing in their own own right and to to feed the 5,000 out of five loaves and two fish. But when you raise that which is dead and life has gone out of it and it's gone from who knows where and you bring it back and put it all together whole, that is amazing. And that's where our limitations we see, our limitations and our pain and our confusion meets the glory of God. And when we see that and we experience it, we go, wow, God can do anything. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. You see, God wants to ultimately glorify Himself, meeting you in the middle of your problems. Now, am I saying that God is always going to give you what you want? No, please don't hear that. God wanted, day one, to raise Lazarus from the dead. In fact, He wanted to raise him from the dead even before He died. He just went ahead and let him die so that He could be glorified in it. And sometimes God will work in your life and will do the amazing. 
Sometimes, you know, some of you have lost your job and you go through that pain and God's teaching you to trust Him day by day and the little watching the bills and all those things. And then finally you come out of that season and He gives you what you need in life and you step back and you go, wow, look at the love and mercy and grace of God. And He builds your faith. You experience it. Sometimes, though, you see God's glory in the testimony of God's Word. You see, we need to see God's glory regardless when we're in those pain-suffering moments. I remember years ago, I'll never forget this, just I wasn't struggling so much and just thinking about my family and what God was taking, how God was going to take care of us and all of that. But I remember just in my morning reading the Bible and prayer time, I remember down in my living room up in Potsdam, way up north on the border, and... Uh, and I was reading, I was reading the story in 2 Kings 4 where a widow with two sons, her husband had been a servant of Elisha. He was a young prophet, a young preacher, pastor type. And he had passed away and she was broke and had literally nothing and owed a lot of money. In fact, the creditors were coming to take her two boys as slaves in payment for what her family owed. And she went to Elisha, the last ditch effort, and explain the story. And Elisha said, well, what do you have? She said, I, I don't have anything. I've got a little jar of oil. That's it. I have nothing of value. I, I don't have a second house that I could sell. I don't have any, a car I could mortgage. I got, I've got nothing. And he said, go home. You and your son, go home and borrow as many jars as you can. Not a little, which means get a lot. Get as many. Ask all your neighbors. Borrow all their jars. Every little thing. Every little Tupperware. Every little tub. Every little container you can get. Bring them inside, close the door with you and your boys. And I want you to take that one little jar of oil you have, and I want you to just start pouring out of that jar and filling each one of those up. And can you imagine the shock of those two boys and that mama as they began just pouring, and one little jar pours into one big jar, and it still has more in it, and they pour into the next one, and it's full. Miracle after miracle after miracle filled all of those. And she filled them all. And, they, and they, she, she told her son, bring me the next one. Bring me the next one. He's like, we, got, we aren't have any more. And she goes back to Elijah. Now what do I do? I'm kind of like, I don't know why she didn't clue in on this. But anyway, Elisha said, good. Go sell all the oil you've got. Pay your debts off and live on whatever's left over. When I read that story, I saw the glory of God. And I realized, God... I could be that young guy who passes before his time should be and leaves a wife with kids. I think at the time I probably had five or six kids. I'm like, what in the world happens when I die and my kids are around? And there was such an amazing presence of God through that story to say, I'll take care of them. You don't have to worry. You see, the glory of God doesn't just come when we experience it and see God work in our experiential things. The glory of God is on every page of this book. And when you and I are going through the stuff, and we're going through the trials, God wants you and I to see His glory here. And He wants you to see how He's worked and who He is and get a picture of that because He wants to grow your faith in the middle of whatever's going on in your life through this Word. And I get it. I know when times are tough and you're hurting and I'm hurting, sometimes we don't feel like reading the Bible. But that's when the next day or that afternoon we need to say, God, forgive me. 
that's on me and not you. Would you help me? I'm hurting bad right now. And would you help me to see your glory? But God wants us. He wants to grow our faith. He wants to reveal that to us. And, and then on the flip side, our, his, we see His glory and it grows our faith. But just with what Jesus told Martha, Martha, you got to have a little faith to see God's glory. You see, in that story I just told you about me, I had a little bit of faith that God would take care of us. But I didn't realize, even as a dad, while my kids are alive and I was perfectly healthy and everything was okay, that that faith wasn't enough. And God needed to grow it even more and showed me His glory. And so a little bit of faith from you, meeting your pain, meeting your limitations, is the segue to God showing His glory. And when you see that, and you experience it in your life, God enlarges your faith tremendously. And folks, God wants to do that continuously our whole life. Go to the next faith lesson. Joy follows seeing God's glory. In our world, I can't speak about other countries, can't speak about other generations very much. We want to just skip right to joy. We value happiness above almost everything in life. Security, yeah, we value that. But if we're secure and we're well-fed, what do we want? We want to be happy. Folks, you don't get to joy without faith. And you don't get to that kind of faith without feeling some pain and confusion and seeing your limitations of life. And we want to jump from that right over to just joy and be happy and ha be comfortable. And we don't want to walk through the hard stuff. You know, I won't ask you how many of you want to be physically fit because some of you really probably do. Most of you'd be lying if you really did because if we really did, we'd probably all live a little bit differently and eat differently and do things differently if we we're being really, really honest with ourselves. But we all want to be happy. But very few of us are willing to put in the time the effort, all of the hard work, you know, to exercise, to become physically fit, whatever that means to you and your world. We just want to experience the fruit of it, the benefit, to feel good about ourselves, to drop the weight, to, you know, to feel better, all of those things. It's the same way with this. And so, when you and I are running through the limitations and the pain and we're in the middle of it, be careful that you don't step on this landmine that says, God, I just want to be happy. Why can't I be happy? Why can't, why can't I just feel good? When you step on that landmine, you will go pursuing happiness in all kinds of substitutes, and they don't work. In fact, all they're going to do is throw you right back into more pain ultimately. Most of the world's issues that are around us, that when we see when pain hits, people turn to those things. They don't solve problems. They actually make them worse. And God's recipe for that faith building is as we go through those challenges, we have a little bit of faith. God's glory meets in the middle of it. Our faith grows. And on the backside of that faith, we're still in the situation, but now we get joy 
because we've seen God work. Think about these ladies. After they had a little bit of faith and God's glory came out, do you think they were a little bit happy about getting their brother back? Now, if I would have been Lazarus, I'd be like, what in the world? Like, I was done with this place. Man, I had something way better. Sisters, I love you, but yeah, no. <laughs> I, was, I was good. I didn't need to come back. But they had incredible joy. So be careful that you and I, God wants us to experience joy, but faith always precedes it. And if you're struggling with joy, maybe it's because you're struggling with faith. Maybe it's because you're really struggling to trust God in the middle of your circumstances. So don't be thinking that, you know, if you just change the circumstances that you're going to get joy. Sometimes that happens. In this story, it happens. But sometimes you just walk through the stuff and you trust God and you see the glory of God even in the middle of the challenge and God gives you joy. Give me one more. I think we got time for that. Yeah, skip that one. I don't like that one. <laughs> I thought I deleted that one earlier. <laughs> Saving faith is only the beginning of our faith journey with God. Jesus asked Martha, do you believe? And Martha nailed it. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who's come. She knew exactly who Jesus was. She is a follower of Jesus, card-carrying member of heaven, born again, saved. God had forgiven and washed her sins away. And Jesus was challenging her. He was just calling her. He's like, do you really believe this? I'm the resurrection and life. And she got it. But then two seconds later, Jesus is like, Mary, you aren't believing enough. You're not there, Mary. You see, your salvation, when you became a follower of Jesus, for those of you that have made that commitment and surrendered your life and gone all in, and that's what believing in the Bible really is. It's not just a mental thing. It is a hearing the voice of the shepherd calling, and you surrender, and you yield, and you obey, and, and you are my Savior. I my whole hope and trust in you. That's only the beginning of your faith journey because God wants to grow your faith even more. And it's not so that you can just have great faith, but it's in that journey that you see God for who He is, you experience Him, you grow in your relationship with Him. You can't grow in your relationship with God without your faith growing. Those two things don't work. And the only way your faith grows is when you see the challenges you face in life and the obstacles and all of that, that God's like, yeah, I got all of that covered, and you see His glory in the middle of all of it. But that's the faith journey that God has for you. Your salvation is just the beginning. So right now in your life, where is God trying to teach you faith? Where is God trying to reveal Himself to you more than you really knew of Him? Where is God trying to show up in your life in a way that you didn't think was possible? Martha and Mary and everybody else had written it off. They thought, well... We've never seen Jesus raise anybody from the dead. He can walk on water. He can feed 5,000 people. He can heal the blind. But yeah, I guess he hit his limitations. And Jesus just pulled the lid off of their limitation. Where are you limiting God in your mind right now? Where are you limiting God in your thinking? What, what is God trying to say into your heart? Let me go to the last one. I think I got it. It takes much faith when God needs to work in somebody else. I think this is in the passage. It's a little bit of experience for me. 
It's one thing when I have to believe and trust God to take care of me. But it's a whole other thing entirely when I'm having to trust God to take care of somebody else that I care about. That's hard. That's really hard. Some of you as parents know what I'm talking about. You are having to trust God to work in somebody else's life that's not you. Some of you spouses have had to do that, had to walk through and just trust God when it's somebody else. God was calling Mary and Martha to a pretty high level of faith here that God, Jesus would do something in Lazarus, their brother's life. That is high level faith. And we all have to experience that and walk through that. It is to a whole other level. So I don't know what God is speaking to your heart this morning about with this chapter. It's an amazing chapter. I encourage you to go back how often faith and the glory of God is revealed in this. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as Lord, that's the first faith step that Jesus wants you to take. To admit your sin to God, that you're a sinner and you need His help. The trouble you're going through in life right now, it's probably God trying to get you to look up to Him. And what He wants to deal with is your sin. He wants to forgive you. But you have to yield yourself and return from that sin and trust Jesus who died on the cross to save you, to be your Savior. That's a surrendering of your will to His, of you kneeling and bowing before Him and receiving Him as Lord of your life. That's just the beginning. Some of you this morning, I believe, are going through some stuff. And God is saying to you, do you trust me? Do you trust me if this goes on day after day? Do you trust me? Are you willing to walk by faith? And are you willing to walk by faith even if you don't get the end result that you're looking for? Do you trust me? Some of you need to look back to God's glory when you've seen God do something in your life. That's part of what our life groups are all about. It's not just you know rehashing what we talk about on Sunday morning, although hopefully that comes up, but you go to a group and you can share how God revealed His glory in your life that should encourage the next person. And by the way, when that happens, don't be jealous like, well, God worked that out for you. How come He didn't do it for me? Don't do that. Don't. Don't, why not me? Just say, God, you showed me that you're in control and can do it again through my friend. So I trust you. But share those things. Maybe God wants you to look back for some of those things. If you look at your life, there's different things of your life that God is building your faith along the way. I remember years ago, and I'll finish with this illustration, uh, my wife and I were still fairly um, newlyweds. I don't know, maybe we've been married two or three years I was trying to restart a church in Vermont. It was a difficult experience, ministry and everything. Didn't know what I was doing, didn't have a clue. I still don't know what I'm doing in many ways. Um, but we were struggling, and we had two couples, two retired couples came. They were from Texas coming to see the leaves in Vermont, and they took us out to dinner, and I think it was out to lunch. I think we had maybe one, I think my oldest had been born, maybe my two oldest, and they were just such nice people, bought us lunch, and they were committed followers of Jesus just coming through the area. And, 
Anyway, money was starting to get hard with this. Susan and I were just, you know, trying to be obedient to God. I was trying to go through seminary and, you know, work and serve the church that wasn't big enough they could even begin to pay very much at all. And just out of the blue, they called us up and said, Sean, we have $5,000 we want to give to you to help you. Would you like for us to write a check to you or would you like for us to do? And I just, in that, I just said, no, why don't you write it to the church? That way it's accountability and, you know, all of it and, and we just, the church eked that out and built that into, you know, the salary to help take care of us. And then when God brought us ultimately from Potsdam to here, I looked for four months to buy a house in 2004. And it's kind of like today, people were putting houses on the market and they were bidding wars and just, it was insane. I couldn't find anything that we could afford for my seven kids at that time to live on. And uh, our realtor ended up saying, Sean, I've got a house you want you to see. And long story short, that guy ended up giving our association $100,000 to help us get into a home that we could even begin to afford. Many of you have been to my house. It's a nice house. It still needs a ton of work, but it's a lot more house than what I could have ever afforded. See, God was building our faith. And then a few years ago in River, when we were really kind of struggling and sucking wind financially, it was just, okay, here we go again. Those little stair steps of faith help you because then I'm like, well, I saw what God did before here, and I saw what God did before here. I know what God's capable of doing here. And it builds your faith as you see the glory of God. So look through your life for those faith moments, those steps, because God's wanting to reveal, not just to bless you, He wants you to know Him. And it creates a sweetness and relationship with Him that's beyond belief. And it helps you walk through life with a focus on Him and not all of this stuff. So whatever God has kind of spoken to your heart this morning, respond. Maybe you need to say, God, forgive me for not trusting you. Maybe you need to say, God, I am going to choose to trust you right now. Maybe you need to say, God, I've been complaining. I've been feeling the big victim. And I've been even complaining about you, that why you would allow this to happen. Forgive me. Would you help me to see what you're all about? But take that step toward him today. Would you do that? Pray with me. Would you? Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus who loves us and died for us. Thank you for these faith moments. Lord, we, we know that it, it hurts as we walk through these difficult things in life. Father, I'm encouraged that you feel those. And the Lord Jesus, who's acquainted with all of our frailties and yet without sin, that he is deeply touched by the things that we go through and the heartaches that we endure Lord, would you help us to see your glory, whether it's from your word or whether it's from just experiences like I shared a minute ago. Would you help us to keep track of those and remember them and for our faith to grow in the process and for us to see your glory. Lord, it's impossible for our faith not to grow when we truly see you in your glory. And I'm convinced it's impossible to really see your glory without seeing our own limitations and our own failings and weaknesses and all of that. So Lord, help us to be comfortable with that journey, I pray. Whatever needs to be decided or lived out or believed or encouraged this morning, Lord, I pray for your spirit to work in each and every heart today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.